Hey, big love fam. Welcome to Super Freak. This is a high vibe podcast, y'all, exploring all things frequencies, how they govern form, shape our realities, and are the key to living from your full potential. It's non-woo combos about super woo shit, unpacking what I call the science of self, from body and soul literacy to the power of understanding vibration, higher consciousness, quantum physics, and spiritual psych. Let this podcast become a resource for you on your journey to self-mastery. If you're curious and ready to free your mind, unlock the body, and truly become limitless, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tally. This is Super Freak, awakening for the next gen. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Tally here. So before we jump into this episode where I try a bit of a different format, and you're going to hear about that in a minute, I want to give a slight trigger warning for people who are very sensitive around religion and religious topics. The reason why I'm, you know, setting a little bit of a preamble on this one is because the tone to which I present things is definitely like firm and matter of fact. I understand that. However, it is in response to the questions that I am being asked in this episode and also backed up by what I see in sessions. Please understand that there's an aspect of me that is a bit frustrated because I see the things that are limiting everybody's brilliance and potential because of really, really heavy amounts of indoctrination. So it's not like this is coming off as my opinion. It's a combination of the things that I'm seeing that I feel like sometimes often baffle me. If you guys could see yourself from how, from where I see you in sessions, I, you know, you, I don't know if you would be doing the same things you would be doing, right. Or believing the same things that you would be believing. My come from spaces. I have no problem with whatever you do, do whatever it is, right. Me, the I that is, you know, tally that's having this conversation with you now, my whole thing with religion is it's a map and it's a tool to help you remember who you are, live from your limitless potential, and ultimately find more joy, peace, content, contentedness. And if you're not experiencing those things, then you know what do you what are you doing? What are we doing? It's kind of like if you haven't really experienced yourself of these particular you know, like the messengers themselves, then maybe reevaluate where you're ultimately giving your power away, which is the biggest pattern that I've seen. So in this episode, we are navigating myself and my co-host, which I brought in, you'll hear about this in a minute, good girl and bad girl patterning, indoctrination, items around and topics around giving your power away, like I said, gross amounts of disempowerment, enslavement patterns, rule sets, deep sets of rules, like having to keep the status quo with family and the implications of that. So I do talk a bit about ancient sieve. I'm not a big ancient sieve person. I know a lot of people in the quote unquote, the new age community talk about that stuff, but from a higher consciousness perspective, I will be bridging, you know, ancient civilization, historical content, which is fact. Okay. From what we know, right from what's been presented. We're not taught this in school, but you would have to go back and then basically translate t tablets 
in order to get variations of the truth. And then ultimately you realize like everything we've been told is a lie. (laughs) It's just a lie. So I had to decide really like what kind of content creator am I going to be? Am I going to constantly censor myself? You know, am I going to be too afraid to put content out there or, and what kind of leader do I want to be? I want to be somebody who presents the content in the most honest and transparent way that I can, that feels true to me. And I also want to be really proud of the content that I put out. And I'm, I love this, this conversation between myself and Neha, and we're going to be doing a lot more of this stuff. And I'm just going to go in on topics. I'm going in y'all. And you're either going to be with me and be with the community that we're building here at Super Freak, or you don't have it, or you're not, and you can just resonate with something else and move on to something else. And that's all good. Like, it's kind of like turn the channel. If you don't like it, turn to a different song and maybe you hear the message there. So I hope you enjoy this conversation about good girl and bad girl, indoctrination, religion, and the like. Let's go. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Super Freak. We have a little bit different format for for y'all. This is coming off of the launch of the YouTube channel where I have posted the episodes that are streaming onto the platform now to expand the Super Freak brand. But also people want to see the interaction. They have a different need for the type of content. And I thought that it would be really great to bring in a co-host. Neha is someone I've known for several years. She's also part of the Super Freak team. And she has such fantastic questions that I was like, hey, would you maybe want to co-host with me? And then you can ask me questions and we can riff because what happens a lot of time with myself and Neha is when we're talking about, you know, what, where the brand is going and where the company is going and what I want to do in the next few months is she will ask really good questions. I will riff. And she said, Oh my God, this would be such a good podcast episode. or This would be such a good this. And I'm like, well, why don't we see if we get, we just can't go real raw on this whole deal, ask a bunch of questions and then see what comes of it. So this is very unscripted. We do have a like a set of questions that we've kind of thought about that would be beneficial for you guys, but chances are if she's thinking them and I'm talking against them, right? You guys are thinking them too. So let's dive into it. Please welcome my co-host Neha Oberoi. Hi everyone. Yay. <laughs> Fabulous. Welcome Neha. So take it away, my dear. Today is all about the good girl versus bad girl narrative that we are seeing everywhere, the patterns that are running. So I am so curious, Tally, how do we know if we are running this first and foremost? Yeah, it's a really good question. So in sessions, what I've seen is people who typically run good girl, bad girl will have deep rooted fear patterns, right? So there's a fear that they're going to do something wrong. There's fear that they're not doing enough. So typically good girl kind of runs hand in hand with a lot of lack patterns. One of the telltale signs is people pleasing. People pleasing is a huge, huge accommodating behavior to good girl, bad girl. So a lot of indoctrination around religion, those folks who are running sacrifice patterns that are coming from transgenerationally inherited patterns around religion. So that's pretty much everybody, right? Because whether or not it's Abrahamic or it's non-Abrahamic religions, there's some level of indoctrination around rule sets. So if you're running rule sets around how things should be, look for absolutes. If you are coming from a family where this is just the way that it is, this is how we do things, this kinds of things, like there are rule sets and rituals. And if there's not rule sets and they're kind of like some families that are 
holiday only <laughs> kind of followers of things. This is also kind of slippery because it sets up this expectation from family members to have to be a part of things. And if they're not contributing or joining family things, like let's say a kid grows up in a smaller town, they go to a city, they leave the family dynamic, and then there's all this obligation to come home and visit the family during holidays. And they choose to do something else. There's all this guilt that's associated with that. That's huge good girl, bad girl programming. So you get a lot of guilt because you feel you need or should do something. When you're running in the shoulds, this is how I should do this. This is, you know, I don't want to upset anybody, right? You're just constantly worried about the opinion of other. Very clear indicator that you're running some good girl, bad girl patterning. The inversion to that is the girl or the girl that is growing up in this environment or the boy that grows up in this environment and runs the rebel pattern. Bad girl will also be this rejection under this, the guise of deeply rejecting this ideology, it will come because of the guilt of not feeling a part of. And so that drive for individuality will manifest in all kinds of stuff, tattoos, piercings, you know, like all the things I have. And like I got a long, long time ago, but also like, as I grew up, I actually ended up loving it and found myself like, this is me. But yeah, you get a lot of that rebel behavior because of the early good girl patterning, indoctrination. So you'll get a child that's the golden child, or you'll get a child that's the rebel. So you can kind of see what role you played in the family too. That's a really clear indicator. So typically you're running with people-pleasing, guilt, obligation, and you want to keep the status quo. So that like not ruffling any feathers, just showing up, taking the good Christmas picture or a non, you know, a holiday picture, whatever to send out to everybody and just keeping everybody happy and at bay is just easier. If that is your mode of operandi. Like I said, I feel like you're talking to me because I was that small town girl, right? And I came from a very small town. I moved out. I got married like at, you know, 26. I moved out and I haven't lived at home. Like I moved to a different country, right? I mean, in a completely different country overseas. And now every time I go home, that's how I feel. And, but when I was growing up, like I was, I was known as sort of like the rebellious one. But when I go home, I feel like there is there's family dynamic between, and I come from an Indian family, right? So I have the traditions there. And I mean, this could be in any culture, I guess, but I feel like when I go home, there is an expectation to do certain things, visit family members or speak to certain people or, you know, take the family pictures. When in reality, like inside, I'm just like, oh God, I really don't want to do this. Right. But okay. It makes my parents happy. It's like half an hour out of my time. I'll just do it. But now that I have my own daughter and she's seeing this all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't want her to feel like this, you know? So what would you say to someone like me who feels like this? Like when they go home, it's just easier to just go with the flow, just say, okay, fine whatever, I'll do it. It makes my parents happy. It's half an hour of my time. I'll suck it up and I'll just do it. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll say it's, it's not easy, but with anything, check in with yourself constantly. Okay. Just check in with yourself constantly and see 
where you're abandoning yourself. There's a way to participate in family events without feeling the obligation. My strongest suggestion would be like, usually there's a lot that you could do that leads up before you're even in front of the fireplace taking a picture. There's a lot that's leading up to that actual moment. So check in with yourself at every moment. And where are you abandoning yourself? Are you in your body, right? You know what I mean? Like, have you left the inner version of you? Is this something that you would put your daughter through? What would you say to her? You know, if you don't have kids, like, again, go back to that inner, that inner child. If your inner kiddo isn't feeling it, then you just say no and let that wash over everybody. At some point, it's going to get uncomfortable. When you start setting boundaries and you pull out of the family dynamic, they're not going to understand. Okay. It's going to feel very rejecting. They're going to feel abandoned. They're going to feel like she's just going through something right now. When you set boundaries and you seek to actually disengage from familial dynamics, specifically around holidays and obligation, it is uncomfortable. Like with anything, where's that pattern represented in your body? Okay. Where is it in my body? I'm feeling guilt right now. I'm not going to take that picture with this guilt running in my body. So check in, clear it, go do the thing. Check in, clear it, do the thing, right? I'm choosing to do this because I am clearing this pattern and this pattern's not in my body and I'm going to take the picture and I'm going to be deeply present, right? Like you set a different code for, for in your body space versus like putting everything on hold alerting the nervous system to be like on brace. Okay. Brace nervous system in two hours. You're going to relax when all of this is over. You're going to be okay. Try to avoid all of that. Right. So if you're with yourself and you're okay, just like, you know what, can we take a picture in like 15, 20 minutes? Just give me a second. And you just walk outside and you regroup and you reset and you identify where that pattern is in the body space. And you're like, I totally get it pattern. I'm not, we're moving through this. We're going to do this differently this time. Cause really it's all about you, right? Everyone is just a reflection. They're all reflecting and amplifying the thing that's in you that wants to change. So I would say chances are before the event even happened, there's a lot of opportunities, opportunities for you to clear in advance. Because either way, like whether you go see that person or whether you run away from it, you're still going to feel like shit. Like, you know, you're going to feel that guilt, your parents, if you don't go or, and then if you do go, you're still going to feel like shit. So it's like, you're saying it's better to sort of clear it and do it on, in your own timing. If that's what you need to do. Yeah. Exactly. So imagine, right. You get the call. Oh, you get the call. You drop the mic. You get the call, right? When you see the family member calling and it's, um, right, you know what's happening, right? right. <laughs> you, yeah. can, you already can feel what's going on. So when you get the call and you're not in a position to answer it, you have to leave it alone. Check in, clear it, call back. So when the family asks you on the phone, are, can we expect you for the holidays, for example, and you're just like, uh, 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 and you say yes out of guilt, <laughs> that's your cue that there's some other work to do. Because what if the response was, you know what, we're still thinking about family plans and we'll absolutely keep you posted on what we decide. What do they say to that? 
Time out. Need more time. And this is a shout out to parents too. Y'all need to get your own lives. Like for real, for real. I get that you want to spend time with your kids, but when you reference off of them and are always making it about you, the implications of that are vast. I don't want to hang out with my family out of obligation. It becomes a drain. It just becomes a drain. If you're grown and you're still getting the pull, okay, there's hooks, there's pull, there's guilt, there's strings, okay? If you're feeling that from family, there's a lot of things to unpack. Chances are, swear, if you're doing things out of guilt and guilt and obligation, and this is my favorite too, your parents are going to be here forever. Take advantage of it. I totally get that. However, I'm not going to throw myself out. I'm not going to throw myself out. Baby with the bathwater kind of vibe, I'm not going to abandon myself to make other people happy, regardless of who it is. That's a very hard thing to do for people. When you actually, the more you comply with that pattern, the more you lock that in for yourself. Like if I clear it for you and then you double down on it by doing the behavior right after, you own it now. Like let's say you and you came in with it and it's part of your patterning and we work really hard to disengage from that pattern. Like I, dis- I separate you out, I disengage you from that pattern, right? I break the, the loop. And then right after that, you throw yourself out that's on you now. And then I got to come back in and it's harder for me to break you out of that. It gets harder because you agree to it. It's one thing for it to be unconscious. It's another thing for it to be conscious in your awareness and you do it anyway. That's where it gets trickier. It gets, I can do it, but it gets harder and harder and harder. Then you own it. You really, really own it. So if I see some of the darker shit that happens with people, like if it's religion-based, And they come to me and we clear up a whole bunch of black magic. We clear up a whole bunch of sacrifice shit, contracts for, you know, 13 generations. And then you get out of the session and you feel amazing and everything's going well. And maybe you detox a little bit. And then you literally just go back to doing the same shit. Patterns on you now to do. So I would have to go to like, in some cases, I would have to go to like, you know, obviously I have to go to councils (laughs) and get like permissions and approvals to re to get you back out of that pattern again. They're going to say, what do you mean? She agreed to it. Yes. And here's, here's the new agreement. It gets, like I'm saying, it gets harder. That's why personal accountability and responsibility is absolutely critical. Like I'm a conduit. I can see what I see and I can help you, but you guys have to do the heavy lifting on clearing yourselves and making sure that you confirm delete the pattern. So like I said, if you see yourself running good girl, bad girl, and people pleasing, it is a vigilance. It's vigilance, right? You might see, like, you might go, okay, I'm going to stick with myself. I'm going to clear the pattern. I'm going to stick with myself and clear the pattern. And then you go and do the thing, but you are with yourself. That's good. The collective loves that, right? Because you're working in conjunction with your higher self to stretch your capacity. Like, okay, I'm learning. I'm getting it. You know what I mean? They love collaboration, but when you're just like, fuck it, you like leave yourself and then, right. You kind of throw your, your higher self out of the way. You're not punished, but that basically means that you kind of have to start at the beginning with that pattern again. That's kind of what that looks like. So I want to know how religion plays a role in this. And obviously so many religions in this world, is there a common themes 
with all these religions that basically come down to this good girl, bad girl, even you can say good boy, bad boy, bad boy, sorry, programming. Yeah, big time with bad boys, because unfortunately, the dynamic, this goes back to ancient Civ. Okay, so to give, you know, I'm not like an uber, uber ancient Civ person. There's things that I'll see that I'm like, why is this important for me to know? You know what I mean? Like in the manifestation series, it was very specifically shown to me this interesting dynamic with Jesus and Magdala and the creation story with Eve and Adam and how the the, re-emer- the re-emergence of this creative, how the feminine is very basically the spiritual teacher and the second wave of the serpent energy, all this stuff was very specifically, it very specifically came in. And I was like, hmm, okay. But it was about having an integrated internal feminine masculine. Okay. So I look back at pre-religion, religious indoctrination, pre-Abrahamic religions. Uh, Even the creation of these religions was about control and fear. So it's too scary for a consciousness that has, that operates off of polarity and dualism, which is what this dimension experiences, the earth experience runs off of duality and we're in an inverted matrix. So basically for you to realize your full potential, you have to experience all the things you're not to amplify that. Can you just explain what you mean by inverted matrix? Yeah. So our codes are in real form, right? In original context or real form, the algorithms run on singularity. So there's no, right? It's a singular experience. There's nothing. It just, um, gosh, what's the way, best way I can describe this without losing everybody? So singularity is basically like almost going back to origin as non-local awareness, okay? So we're localized in space and time right? Like you are in London. I am in Albania. I'm in a very specific coordinate of time. Okay. My body is space. My awareness is in the avatar. Make sense. Therefore I'm local. I'm localized in that way. But, but your higher self is non-local. Make sense. Your higher self and full potential, it, it just is a fractal of a unified field of consciousness, a fractal of God. And it just is. The codes that you run in non-locality have nothing to experience itself off of. Imagine writing a video game. You're writing a video game and you're writing the codes for that game. Before the codes even get written, that's who you are. <laughs> basically the codes get written and then a right and then a 2D and 3D experience is created so you're basically in this reality to learn to experience yourself in an avatar as a gen right so you're basically like pure and then these codes are written which are sort of like around you does it make sense? This is like how my mind is making sense of it. You have this pure awareness, these codes are in which are around you, and these are the patterns you're running and the things that are happening to you. Is that right? Yeah. So your, so your soul, right? So imagine there's the ocean and there's 
God, your, your cup. Okay. Your body is the cup and then your soul is the water, right? So you have all of this memory that's living in your, your soul's records, your soul's memories, right? But those memories have nowhere to experience themselves over and over again, or awaken from or reconcile if they don't have a body. You can still reconcile them, but it's not nearly as fast. This is what, this is why earth school is sick. It's so good because there's so much to learn here. You would never know you're running good girl, bad girl, if you didn't have the avatar body to experience that pattern in. So when I say the inversion, right, you'd never know, you'd never awaken to remember. So you've been dropped in density. You're this brilliance. You have non-locality, right? You're not you're not limited by time. And then you come in to a 3D experience. It is a very low vibrating density. It is unawake. It is dense. This is not natural. We have de-evolved over time. So we come in, we forget. It's literally like Westworld. We agree to linear time. We agree to the filter of human. And we agree to veil ourselves. The DNA is veiled. That's what it is. So the DNA is the codes. We've agreed to veil ourselves, meaning we forget that we're limitless. Okay, we forget how to you know, operate off of our limitless self. And we think all of this is real around us. We just think all of it is. So when I say we're in an inverted matrix, it's we're literally living in opposite of who we really are. We are living in the density. We're living literally. We think that this is real. We think our identity is real. We think the things that we're doing and who we are is actually who we are. The opposite. The, our soul has created literally our spirit body around us is, is holding our records and it's creating our reality. It's creating the density. Earth creates the body. Yes, we have biology, physiology, all this stuff, right? We have the, we have the, Earth creates density. That's basically what Gaia is. She creates matter, right? Our job here is to learn how to manipulate matter in a way, how to become masters of creation. So Jesus was master at that. that that's why a lot of that came in when it came to materialization. You know, we're supposed to come in operating at nature level. We're supposed to be at zero neutrality. So a lot of sessions, I'm always putting people into the zero point, things like that. We're supposed to be at neutral and we are way behind that. We're like way, way, way devolved. That's why we're in this colossal <laughs> collective new wave of this consciousness evolution that's here. And all of us have come down to awaken, to remember, to clear our patterns. We, we came here to clear the patterns knowing at a higher level, it didn't matter what we accomplished. We literally just want to clear so we can get out of the loop of having to do this again and again and again, because every time it gets harder, right? So religion, when I say religion came in, so you have consciousness that creates on a positive and a negative, and then you're at zero, right? And when I say that, I say like, just think about dielectricity and magnetism. Okay. You have a positive charge and then you have a negative charge and then you have zero X, Y, Z, right? This is just a little bit of the quantum mechanics. Interestingly enough, like with any civilizations, there's emotions that come, not emotions, but let's say power grabs, wanting to control species that don't necessarily like humans very much, 
or I think that we're just too dense and it would be far more efficient if we were hybrids. And that process of hybriding has been going on for a long time. So I say all of that because going back to religion, religion was created before the organization and the control of people, period. It was, an, it was basically one big fat installation of fear. There was a religion gene that was installed, and this is proven, by the way. There's like literally a gene that it's a worship gene, which is just an algorithm. We're going to de-evolve. So there's species before us that have been very, that have been profound geneticists. The Anunnaki, for example. Anyway, so, and this is all in ancient tablets. You know, this is, like I said, this predates the Bible. Okay. When you say species, do you mean like different civilizations? Like when I think species, I think of like an animal, you know, like what, what do you, can you give an example of something? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, prior to this human species, this um, hominoid, this homo sapien, you know, there was all this evolution of human. There was Lumerians, there was Atlantis, there was all of these fallen civilizations, which are in the ocean. You could see uh, underground worlds, right? These species were far more advanced than we were, than we are. We have de-evolved. And if you look at the genetic, right, if you look at the genetic potentiality, this is where it gets a little interesting for people because there was, there's basically the study of epigenetics and there's, there's genomics, there's more and more information coming out where science has already proven that we hold 14 generations, but really we hold infinity because we are. And in order for science to concede that we're that, it would basically disrupt the entire system, the model itself, because Newtonian un operates off of very limited parameters and people are trying to solve quantum programs and problems with Newtonian level mathematics and it just doesn't work. So it would have to be right. The, it's actually very quantum based and it's un, it's not entirely understood because it requires you to believe it, to see it. Religious indoctrination is the opposite. It requires you to, to, to see it in order to believe it. They want you to stay in a fear state. Fear is an enormous motivator. Look what's happening now. People will not travel. We came off of a pandemic where people bit off the fear narrative full force, full stop and got multiple injections, all of that is genetic modification. We're genetically modified humans at this point. So it's not a problem, but I'm just saying this is exactly how evolution works is genetic modifica modification. So what's the advantage of that? The end game is transhumanism is the agenda 100%. Uh, they don't want you to know this either, but also they want mind control. Mind control and a control over population. A population that's easy to control and manipulate means that it's easier to fulfill an agenda. If I pull myself way back and I look at just the ones and zeros, that consciousness, which if you're looking just at single source and then it comes, you have single source and then it comes into a positive and a negative, right? You have positive, which doesn't need anything to sustain itself. This is your higher self, okay? This is the positive charge. It doesn't need it. This is about self-sourcing. Me and my higher self, and that's it. And then you have the negative charge. This needs energy to sustain itself. 
Think about the churches, think about organized religion, think about these systems, think about dark consciousness, think about all these contracts. This has to fulfill itself. So that's the difference. What you're seeing right now is you're seeing fear. This consciousness has to use lower vibration, the lower third of our body, animalistic, right? Those, the seven deadly sins, this kind of thing, like sex, drugs, rock and roll. It needs you to do that to sustain itself, right? The positive doesn't need that. The light doesn't need that. When you're connected to your higher self and you're sovereign, you don't need shit. Very threatening. <laughs> that means this dies. So that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing the amplification. Like cockroaches in the kitchen means you've got to amplify the problem before it all goes away. So that's what you're seeing right now. Amplification is going to be very intense for the next several years. And just hold on. Hold yourself. Don't abandon yourself. And it's little mundane, small micro moments. Do I really want to go to that dinner? Am I? Where am I being compliant? Do I want to do that? How do I feel right now? What is that emotion accommodating? Just quick check in with yourself and then you take the next indicated action. That's awakening. It's the small mundane moments. That's why I was like, y'all, the journey is where the party is. <laughs> it's not like, yes, the synchronicities, the synchronicities become easier, things like that. But really that process of awakening is dense and we're supposed to live a lot longer and we're supposed to just experience matter and the beauty of earth and take care of her and, you know, and then learn how to manipulate it really. And when I mean by manipulating energy, I mean by manipulating frequencies, manipulating frequencies. So when you raise your vibration, that's when you really start to become a master kind of materializer. That's what Jesus was basically. I mean, if I think back at, I look at a lot of these Buddhist Jesus Muhammad type, but Jesus specifically with all the parables, whether or not we know this really happened, but his ability to like break bread and make and feed a bunch of people and then project himself in different realities. Like his body is here, but he can project himself and walk on water. All of that is very advanced spatial referencing and very advanced space-time mechanics. That's manipulation of matter. So he was really like a master alchemist. And, uh, so yeah, so that's what I mean by manipulating matter. If you're not getting the same results as the people of the creators of these quote unquote religions, and they're all saying the same thing, it's the present moment. That's the only thing that's real. You know, when Jesus is talking about the father, whatever he's talking about a single source and your connection to yourself, which a lot of his teachings came from Magda anyway. So that's for another podcast, but yeah, that's my point. So the point of religion is to keep you in fear and in control. And the idea of it is exchange-based. You get this if you give us this. Now imagine over time how that, that, how that disempowers. It's incredibly disempowering. Good girl, bad girl is just right in there. And then you have men, this all circle, I'll finish up with this. You have men who are typically choir boys. So you get a lot of this abuse. You get a lot of like disempowered masculine that in order to be a good provider has to come with a deep loyalty. So with men, you feel, I see the distorted loyalty pattern. They feel like deeply, they will be, the guilt for men is almost stronger. I would say sometimes with religious patterning, because you have the mother Mary and deep down, everyone's a mama's boy for the most part. Or they feel like they have somehow deserved the abuse they experienced early on. This whole choir boy thing is, is really interesting and coming up to the surface with all the 
mainstream exposure of the Catholic Church and things like this. But yeah, how does religion play a role in this, right? In good girl, bad girl, bad boy, good boy stuff. Yeah. So is do you find like the patterns between good girl, bad girl versus men, like women versus men is different when it comes to basically this, what we're talking about? I would say this. When I see... So I just touched on that. This is a really good segue. When I see good girl, bad girl patterning in women, there's deep obligation and there's a lot of resentment, like a lot. They kind of have quiet rage and it starts to manifest and materialize with health issues. With men, it debilitates their empowerment, their masculinity to some, to some degree. So they become extremely submissive in the relationship. They just want to have their life easy so they just go with the flow. And with, with women, I will say the good girl is fear of looking a certain way with society, right? So it's very external based, like the community based amongst social circles and friends and maintaining a level of perfectionism. So the perfectionists out there that have the good girl, bad girl running specifically with women, it's very much that it's performance-based. I am only lovable if I maintain the front with men, disappointing the feminine, disappointing mom, being a disappointment and ruffling the feathers and not being a good boy is like debilitating for them. Just won't do it. So they have a lot of distorted loyalty. And I honestly see like the mothers that have this type of that have sons like that, that are deeply loyal, the mother's energy is wrapped around their balls. <laughs> it's just like all around their genitals. <laughs> it's like, I see the mother frequencies completely in the sexual organs and the reproduction space. I mean, I've been in sessions where I was like, I have to get your family off your balls. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like you got your, I got your sister here. You got your babies. <laughs> I got your wife, your mama, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, they all wrapped around and they just go, you're totally right. Tally, you're just right. And I was like, yeah. Don't you want to have your masculinity back? Because all if women want that, they want a masculine to stand up to them, to set the parameters and be like, we're going this way. And men are like, I don't know, babe, whatever you want. So whatever you want to do, it's fine. And then the resentment builds. And then it's like, I see the women go, fine. You know what I mean? Or they'll argue about where to go next or what to do, or, you know, just have a conversation or the women will just be like, never mind, I'll do it. Do you think this is because I know you've spoken about this before, but women taking on more of a masculine energy, I guess over the last, I don't know how many, 40 years, would you say 50 years that this has become more prevalent? Yeah, I think longer than that. I was just going to talk about that. So it's a perfect segue. So I would say post 16, 1600s to 1800s. Oh, way back then. Okay. Post, especially in especially in Europe, because I am looking at when we were, when Europe was in high, super high states of war. Okay. So the women, women lost, lost the men. Women didn't have any real opportunity in Europe. And then you work and then fast forward to American culture. The feminist movement was deliberate to confuse. Okay. Interesting. To start to disrupt the family systems. The feminist movement was a confusion movement. It was deliberate. Oh, if we can get women thinking that they want to get into the workforce, right? The 80s with all the power shoulder pads, it was an energy. That was deliberate. Who sort of controls this? 
you're talking about secret societies, you're talking about the 13 big families, you're talking about organized religion. And then the three main, like I would say, kind of orchestrators of, of the global world order, which is, there's three of them. It's the crown, it's uh, DC, which isn't even an actual three cities. Okay. London city, Vatican city, and then Washington DC or, or something DC city. It's, it's all three and it's not, and they're corporations. They're the largest corporations in the world and the most profitable Catholic church is a corporation. So they don't pay any taxes. So this is organized. It's deeply, deeply organized. This is, I mean, you look at the monuments, we're on a surface world. I can go on and on and on, but I say all of this because I look at, you see it right now with the transgender movement, all of this stuff around gender, smoking gun, smoking gun. It's deliberately meant to confuse. So when men get disempowered over time, women are excited to have equal opportunity. And I think there is some good that came out of this, right? But I have never felt, I've never adopted the ideology of me getting paid less than men. I was in the fashion industry where men ran everything. And I was just like, this is what I want. Pay me this. And I got it every time. So I never really experienced that. And I never asked any questions. It was up to me to, uh, you know, negotiate and learn how to establish my own value. Like, this is what I want. I'm not willing to do it for that. I need more. You know what I mean? Like, and I would navigate that. Now, if I have a shit ton of lack patterns and I'm getting less, that's something to look at too. But it wasn't for me necessarily the lack of opportunity, but I definitely felt like I wasn't taken as sometimes as seriously in management roles or, you know, and I had a lot, I mean, I would have grown men working for me that were twice my age because I was hiring reps from all over the world. And I would have to fly all over the place. And I was, you know, in my late twenties having, you know, really serious meetings. And I just, I guess I just had the, I don't give a fuck attitude and you need that to establish your baseline. So I say all of that is because there's a few things that happen. There's been this de-evolution of war, right? You have wars, you have men being killed, and then you have it all falling on the women. Then I'll just speak specifically to Western culture because this is where I grew up. But in America, you had the feminist movement, which was about, you know, first we needed to vote. Then we needed to get out of the, you know, we needed to be able to have more opportunity. You see a lot of this in the Bridgerton era. Like we wanted to be writers and in Europe, it was all about like, looking a certain way, making sure you were looked amazing. And then you found a husband, regardless if you were in love, it was all about maintaining bloodline. So over time, if those patterns aggregate, the bottom line is you're not valuable unless you look good and you lock in a husband. And that's, we still see that running, don't we? I still see that running. Like you go on TikTok and you see those videos of people who really promote this type of thing. 100%. So that's bottom line. If you're just looking at, if we're all just transparent running our patterns and we all can read each other's patterns, which is how it works in the inner dimensions, the inner world of the, of the earth, but also other dimensions, they just see you. They a hundred percent see your patterns and they know your weaknesses. And that's what's happening now is we're very easy to manipulate as a people because we're driven by materialism. We're, we're driven by the need to feel loved and we're, we're driven by the need to feel important to have, right. To have impact. Those are, those are the three things. So if you, if you instigate, you're going to miss out and you're not lovable unless you do this. 
And by the way, you can have all of these people love you real easy. That's it. And if when you see through all of that, then you're less manipulated by everything. So over time, I'll say the, the feminist movement was absolutely designed, just like BLM and all these other movements were designed to disenfranchise the family system and confuse people's, uh, confuse feminine and masculine polarity integration, which is where the, what is the next wave is. It's about balancing feminine masculine energies. Again, from an algorithmic perspective, men are, they master the material world. They build, they create things. Okay. They, they build physically. We need them for labor. We need them for direction. We need them for protection. We need them for provisions. That's masculine energy. And then the feminine is just this intuition and the fluidity. And it's like a man comes to you with a single idea. That woman is going to take that idea and blow it up. It's just going to amplify the masculine energy. We've ha- we have a real problem with accepting the fact that our feminine energy is enough. That's the lie. We've been told that in order for us to actually experience who we are as women, we have to have kids. We have to be a wife, a mother, all these things, right? We have to have a career. None of that's true. We just need to be deeply, deeply connected to our feminine energy. That's really the goal is to be integrated. Your internal masculine and your internal feminine are integrated and you're connected deeply with your feminine energy and you're enough and that's enough. How you express that feminine energy is up to you. You want to have a career? Great. Do you want to have, do you want to be a mother? Go and do that. Do you want to be a wife? Do you want to grow in love? That kind of thing. But I have a deep and down, deep down, women want to surrender. They want to submit. They want a strong man, but we have disempowered them so deeply because we are operating from our wounded masculine. There's a part of me that when you say that gets super defensive. I have to say, like, there's a part of when you're like, okay, submissive, surrender. There's a part of me that's like, uh, uh, like, do we want to do that? It comes up, you know? Do you know what people hear when I say that? They're like, great. You want to go back to the 1950s and get in the kitchen? You can go ahead and do that. And I was like, interesting. If that's what you think that is. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't know, literally, and I work with on a lot of people, right? I work on a lot of people on a weekly basis, the hundreds, hundreds of now at this point, really. And I will tell you that I don't know a single woman who has a fucking next level, righteous fucking booming career and no relationship who's truly happy. Not one. I'm thoroughly stoked with my life. And I absolutely want a relationship. And when that manifests in my life and that partner shows up, submitting to that is like relief because I have, I have access to the nurturing aspect of me that I had shut down for so long because of, you name it, abuse, abandonment, all the, all the other shit that I moved through. I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to cook for my dude and take care of him and nurture him and love him and like have him show up for him and be able to receive that love back in a masculine way and be fully provided for. I was like, I'm on a five-year sprint, y'all. Just know, like super freak in five years, like wrap it up, hang it up and be in the middle of the forest. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, we'll see. I mean, this has been what's shown to me. We'll see how long this goes. But, and look, relationships look really different. It's not about, you know, I have some relationships that I work with with a woman is, is 
providing and the masculine provides in a different way. But I don't see that. I, I see the feminine energy depleted in ways. Like something is taking a hit. The sex life is taking a hit. You know what I mean? Something is taking a hit when it's, when it's not quite like that. So it's not about going back to the fifties. It's about up leveling ourselves to be fully integrated and complete within who we are. And then from that completion, a partnership comes in to amplify you, amplify your energy. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I was like, it is beautiful. And that's what we need. <laughs> in your last awakening sessions, and you did this in a yoga session in May, we worked with the feminine and masculine energies. And it was beautiful. Like you really showed us how to work with it within our bodies. And I will say also that like, I have seen things like starting to manifest while I'm doing this, like, and I was going to send you a voice note on this as well, but I'll just mention it here that like, I'm seeing things actually happen. I think I sent you a voice note yesterday where we did that exercise where you ask your inner masculine what do you want from me? And like, literally before I finished the sentence, it was like trust. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, what do I have to lose? Right. What do you have to lose? When I don't know what, what to do, right. I go in and I talk to my inner masculine all the time. And it's really interesting what you hear back. It's something I wouldn't make up. Right. Like your nav, your higher self is navigating you. Right. But Who's observing the relationship you're having with yourself? Who's that? That's when you start to see, you're like, God, we really are non-local awareness. Observing ourselves in this reality, in density. You become the observer, observing the observer, observing itself. That's your love. Like, that's how you become multidimensional is you become multi-observational. So let's say you have an, you're you having the inner relation, inner dialogue with your masculine and you're observing yourself having that dialogue with yourself in your body. That's multidimensionality, basically. It's like depth of field in, in a, a video or, or a picture. If I don't know what to do, I go into meditation and I start asking my masculine for direction. It's like, what do you need? What do you need right now? I'm like, oh, I need this. I need this. And it's always feeling. I'm like, I'm feeling I need nature soon. Great. Done, done, and done. And it's like, I let it go and something comes in. It's just, I let it go. So that's how the inner masculine works, right? So you have to basically just like feel it, that feel that from that feminine energy, you really feel how you want to feel. Then you release it to the masculine and then you just let it go and let the masculine sort of handle it. And then things will start coming in. That's basically how it starts to materialize it. Yes. And you need to create the dynamic with your inner masculine because a lot of women are coming off of wounding. They didn't get value. They didn't get seen. They didn't get the level of masculine they needed when they were younger, or they, they grew up with a very dis-emasculated male. So a masculine that was running feminine energy and a mother that was running masculine energy. So they learned to control and manipulate women did or undermine and check in on how the masculine was doing things. You didn't do it right. So it was a lot of criticism came with the masculine. I'll just do it. That kind of thing. This hyper-vigilant, hyper-independence is a trauma response. The non-allowance is a trauma response. So I've had women who create a masculine and it's a father figure, right? Or I've had women who create a masculine who is a partner. Or it's an equal 
or it's like a brother. So sometimes they feel safer with that type of archetype. And then I think it evolves. I think it evolves. So who is your inner masculine? Is it a partner? Is it a brother? Is it a friend? Or is it a reflection of you? Like, are you your own twin flame inside? Which I think is actually a dark template, but I'll talk about that later. Um, So who is your inner masculine? Who is that archetype for you? So a lot of times women will need the, will need to repair. They'll need to repair some, some father vacancy and father wounding. And so they'll create an archetype of a masculine and father who really sees them, who gives them just next level advice. You see this a lot too. Women will choose jobs or to be surrounded by different roles or friendships or attraction with partners to fill a void. Whatever you didn't get, you're going to date, you're going to date that. You're going to date that, marry that, be attracted to that, to amplify the lack so you can resolve it and move on. So my inner masculine is like, I know that that's my, the frequency of the partner I'm bringing in. He's Captain Cool. He's steady fucking Eddie. Like emotionally fucking solid, steady Eddie. And everything is so easy. Like the material world, figure outable, just done provisions unlock. And it's just like number one foam finger me. That's it. So operating within my experience becomes hella easy. If I'm like, I'm overwhelmed, right? It's because I'm having to do it all myself, myself, right? I know that I'm in this hypervigilant state. So I check back in, I expand myself. I start integrating with my internal masculine and then boom, all that feeling goes away. That state experience changes. So yeah, really important stuff. So for people who are looking for a partner, whether it's um, you're looking for a man or a woman, is it best to sort of do that? What, you, what you've what you done is that go inside. If you're looking for a man, you know, integrate with that in, inner masculine, speak to him and do the same if you're looking for a woman. Yeah, I think it's, I think this is the master stroke. I think a lot of us manifest externally and we leave our bodies and we go through our head and we start looking for characteristics and we start talking about height. And I'll say this as well, when it comes to manifesting, just to wrap this up, because it's really, really important is to understand that you can't check in on the masculine and go over his shoulder. You have to trust him and let it go. Don't undermine yourself by checking in on the progress of what you want to create. That's big. You have to trust and let it go. Just know. He was like, why are you checking on me? I got it. Right? That control, that is a big thing with women. So I will say this. If you want to, whatever you want to call into yourself, right? Whether or not it's a a job, experience, whatever it is, we have been taught to visualize. Leave this. To To visualize, to bring it in. And some of us talk about the experience of our body, but we've been taught to do this. And I go, real talk? When you're in a relationship, you know what you do. You sit down with your, with your partner and you talk about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you do your own little meditation and then chances are you talk with your partner and you sort it out together. So simulate that experience internally for yourself first. Then the nervous system records it and it shows up. That's the master stroke. That's the mechanics. The nervous system creates the hologram. People don't get this. I didn't get this until I created this for myself. I was like, oh my God, the nervous system actually creates the hologram. 
the nervous system navigates. That creates the recording, it creates the codes, it creates the hologram that we experience. So when we meet somebody and we get all lit up, we're like, oh, we're out of our bodies. We're out. Chances are what's going to happen to you is it's going to be really subtle and safe and like it's not going to be truly charged. And if you've been having that inner dialogue with your partner, your internal self or your internal father and you've been healing and you meet somebody, you don't leave yourself. You don't leave yourself. You stay with yourself. And that's the key. That's how things drop in faster. They're just there. So we've been taught to leave our bodies. We've been taught to leave ourselves. So when you have you, and I talk about this a lot, don't leave yourself, stay with yourself, stay with you. Okay. When you're wanting to create, you go in. So today was tough. I think think I've talked about this. I was like, the kid ain't sleeping, but I signed up for it. It's all good. But I, I, that very much leads to craziness, right? So I have to make sure that I check in with myself and I clear my space, right? And I'm constantly checking in with my internal feminine masculine and my feminine needs different things than my masculine does. My masculine wants to provide for me. What can I do? What can I do? My feminine goes, I don't know. (laughs) A lot of times, sometimes it's a meal. Sometimes I want to make sure I need to sleep sometimes, right? I just need to get into the present moment and just get on the podcast and see what happens, right? This kind of thing. But yeah, it's just these moments to moments where how much can you have you like every, right? Every moment. And when I say you become so unfuckwittable because you're so solid, nothing kind of phases you because you have you. So you're going to bring in a masculine who is highly, highly evolved because it's an energy. He don't want no drama. He ain't got time to fix your daddy wounds, honey. No, our baseline is supposed to be like, how good can life get? If you're spending 10 years cleaning up each other's bullshit, that's exhausting. Yeah, there's cleanup, but it's love and respectful and there's no drama and it's just, you evolve. Like I want, I way want my baseline to be a lot higher than what I've settled for. So that's my, that's my invitation for people is to start cultivating that relationship with yourself first and see how much you can self-source before you want a partner and you want all these things outside of you to reference off of, because we're constantly looking outside of ourselves to know where we are. Right. So good girl, bad girl. I'm a good girl. I did good. I made my parents proud by showing up, by doing this, by doing this good boy, bad boy. She's happy. And it's just riddled with like martyrism, self-sacrifice. I don't want to ruffle feathers. That's not a very empowering state. Someone always has this. There's a disempowerment going on in that dynamic. So it's kind of like coming right back full circle, right? It always comes back to self. And this truly is the like master stroke for the future, for creating more efficiently, for where we're going as a collective is supreme levels of fundamental authenticity. Like, Yes, it's individuality, but it's not like these monolithic influencers, high masculine teaching, you know, spirituality and awakening and all the cliches. It is deeply personal. It's deeply intimate. And it's totally about self-sourcing. You have all you need. The quickest way to move through stickiness is to go within. It's inner, infinitely in and infinitely out. 
It's another thing I work on with people. I was like, y'all have been taught to leave your bodies and go out here and work on people and leave. And no one knows how to go in. So I'm constantly moving people into the heart, into the heart, into the heart space, and then expanding out. And I was never taught that (laughs) when I started doing this work. Yeah, it was a lot of like heart space work, but it was never about understanding truly what it meant to go infinitely into the heart and infinitely out. This heart, the quantum heart is its own operating system. It can't be touched by any consciousness. The mind can be programmed and controlled. The heart is off limits. So when you operate from here, you're untouchable. You're literally untouchable. Darkness, no one can fuck with you unless you let them. Really, for real, for real. So I was like, game on. Like, game on. You just can't be controlled when you have access to yourself, you know? Beautiful. I guess I would love to know for anyone who is new to this, what would be first steps in terms of getting in touch with your inner feminine masculine? And also, I guess, like sort of first steps in getting away from this good girl, bad girl uh, narrative, uh, setting up for yourself, you know, because it is scary at first if you're, you've never done this before and you're so used to living a certain way. Yeah. So I would say broad stroke is get familiar with your general patterns, how you create your reality, what gets you, what triggers you. And obviously the pattern freebie in, you know, on any, on the website, on the bio, on any social is a great way to inventory, give yourself a a thorough inventory of the way, you know, of how you've been creating your reality in a very specific area. I would start with maybe doing career or love or yourself, right. Or your childhood and take big chunks. Like how did you feel? Usually there's catalyzing moments. So pick one. What was a main catalyzing moment? What happened? How did it affect you? What did you, you know, what's the story you told yourself? Where did you learn that patterning? And how have you been creating your life from that? So first and foremost, understand how you create your reality, what your patterns are. And if you're running sacrifice, good girl, bad girl, people pleasing, right? Start to highlight some of that stuff. You're like, okay, I think I'm running this. I think I'm running this. So once you get a handle and start to understand a bit of the language around patterns and how literally you're creating your life from them, you can start to observe them. You kind of step out and you observe them more in depth. Then the kind of next level would be to, if you want to start unpacking some of this stuff, obviously feel into the type of work that you want to do frequency wise, but you don't have to, you can do a lot of recognition on a, you know, you can consume a lot of the free content. You can do a lot of the tracking in the body. Like where's that pain being held? So the body is holding all of this information. You can do, you know, somatic therapy. You can do anything that's going to get you familiar with body literacy, understanding where the body is holding the pattern information and then take it from there. Cultivating a relationship with your internal feminine and masculine looks like this. If you don't know what that is, create a wanted ad for the ideal version. If you don't, if you weren't modeled for it, create a wanted ad. My ideal feminine, that's my best friend, might be a motherly figure, would tell me this, right? She would say this to me. She would support me in this way. She has these characteristics. You know, she's deeply loving. She's super funny. She's always available. I can just show up in any way and she will come in, hug me, feed me, and let me sleep and be a mess and have no judgment. She doesn't also, she also doesn't let me get away with anything. 
right? She doesn't pander to my patterns and she holds me deeply accountable. That's an aspect of my internal feminine. And I was like, oh, I love her, right? <laughs> like you just fall in love with yourself. <laughs> like you love and respect how much she loves and respects you. Then you create the same archetype for the masculine. I'm kind of going like this because it's like, you know, the left operates this. And so you create that same arc archetype for the masculine. And the chances are you you will start to have or cultivate a stronger relationship with one of them first based on the biggest wounding. So if you grew up in a dynamic where the feminine wasn't really safe for you and the masculine wasn't safe for you either, you kind of got to start from scratch. So create the wanted ad and then that wanted ad becomes you down the road. You start to learn, you start to entrain to that version of you that's already in the field, basically. So what's happening is like, you're basically connecting with a version of you in a different space-time coordinate. And then you start to call that version to you, that intelligence, that emotional intelligence starts to entrain into the nervous system and it just becomes automatic, right? So you just become that version. You become more emotionally mature. You become more self-nurturing. You become more dynamic. You become softer. And then you start having, once you're super dialed in, like I started with my feminine first. I needed to do a lot of work with her and I couldn't even mess with the masculine. <laughs> Put that over there in that box for a second. I got to come back to you. So, but there's betrayal on both sides. So I had to kind of start somewhere, right? If you don't know how to start with a version of you and you can't receive a, let's say a more mature version of who you are, right? You might be like, you might want to ask yourself, here's your wanted ad. I'm triggered. What would you need to hear in this moment to make you feel safe, seen, and heard? Safe, seen, and heard. And you will write down a letter to yourself, free, free form thought, and you'll be like, wow, I wouldn't necessarily come to that conclusion on my own. There is a discipline here a bit if you want relief. The writing helps for people. Sometimes I would voice note my stress as if I was talking to a therapist listen to it back and say, what would you tell her? What's showing up? Inevitably, I was always in fear, some version of that, right? I was in panic. I was in fear. And my younger version did not feel safe, seen, or heard, right? So another way to start working on the internal feminine masculine energy is to start to nurture the younger versions of you, right? So your smaller version, then your teenage version, and the 20-year-old version of you, that kind of thing. There's going to be an age, <laughs> what age do I need to look at? You'll hear a number. There always is. And that's where you start. So yes, it's not a one and done, but these are, these are literally practices that are, some people talk on this, you know, touch on this. Some people talk about this, but it's deeply, deeply integrated into the frequency doing, doing frequency work and having it be deeply, deeply effective. No one I ever worked with talks about this. No one. <laughs> like there's one person that I would, that I, that does body work that works a lot on internal feminine masculine energies and was really good at it. But mm -mm. I think it's, it's the next wave unpacking patterns, really know how, understanding how we create our reality and then creating a deep, intimate relationship with ourselves internally and reconciling the polarity. When you integrate that means you operate more inside of polarity from a balanced perspective. So you're totally in your feminine in reflection to the masculine in allowance and surrender and softening. And then you just amplify. And that's the spiral. You spiral up 
You know what I mean? One buoys the other, the other one buoys the other, that kind of thing. So yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful work. It's deep, beautiful work. But if you're just starting, you're just starting to chip away at getting access to yourself, that next level is understanding masculine and feminine polarities within yourself. Yeah. And I think like for me, I think my first session with you was last December. And since I had that session, I've been working so hard on doing the pattern work and it took me a while. Like, I feel like, I think I messaged you like in the spring and I was like, I don't know if it's working. Like I'm doing it every day. I'm trying to be as present as possible. It's really hard, but I would say like, it took five months. Like I would say mid to end of April is when I started, I guess four months when I started to see like changes within myself. Like I wasn't reacting in the same way and I was feeling different and I was more present. And then when we sort of started working together is when obviously like through our sessions and through like even just speaking to you, I feel is when it really sort of took off and accelerated. And so now it's like from doing the work within myself and really being serious about it. That's the thing, like being that like really accountable for it and being like, and I also feel like if it wasn't for my daughter and knowing like it, when I clear it, it just clears out, out of away from my daughter. That really helped me account, help me accountable. Cause I was like, okay, I don't want my daughter to have to deal with this crap. Right. Like I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for generations after me. If you can like book a session with Tally, I highly recommend it or just even join. Like I'm just throwing in a little promo here, but like even like your yoga session, or your awakening sessions, like all, all of it is so helpful. And it really is like amazing. I remember you asking me too. And I was like, she's getting it. This is amazing. Like I think about, I spent 10 years in therapy, right? And then I started frequency work and then everything started to change way, way more rapidly. And so I was like, you're from our first session, right? It was a single session. And then you just started doing the work on your own. And then you would tap into a meditation here and there, but I'm like, damn, six months in the course of a lifetime, you take the next few years to dedicate. That is fast. That's why I was like, this is it's thrilling work. Yeah. And I just keep thinking, okay, if I feel like this now in a year from now, it's going to be even better. And then a year from then it's going to be even better. You know, it's just the, for anyone starting out, like it's just the beginning, I would say is the hardest. And it's just because you have to get into the habit of it. That's it. And practice it. And I guess the uncomfort of when you're removing that emotional pattern from like your body, like you have to sit through it that I had never done before. I don't know. It's like, you feel like when you're going through it, that it's never going to end. And so you don't want to do it, but it's actually, when you sit through it, it doesn't take that long for it to go away. <laughs> it's like, you know, like 10 seconds, maybe 15, 20 seconds, right? You just sit through it and, and then it disappears. So good. It's been, I hope you guys like this format. We're going to close. This has been a blast. So easy to have conversation with you. Such good questions. I think this adds a different level of depth for the people listening. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll be doing these weekly. So look out for that. And then of course, stay connected to superfreak.co for all the things that are coming up and social media and things like that. Neha, smooches. Thank you so much for this. I'm going to close this guys. And I'll see you guys on another Super Freak session or recording our podcast. See you guys. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Please make sure to leave a review and follow the fun on social media because that's how it works in this world. In the meantime, get your freak on. I'll see you in the next session.